Today we're going to talk about guard your heart. Guard your heart. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 5, verse 20. So it's funny because people are like, I think the church should stay out of politics. No, this church is all up in politics, and that's the problem that we've been out of it too long. Amen. We've been out of it too long. We've let the others take over and do all their things. Now the real Christians are standing up going, enough is enough. Amen. And if you don't believe Trump is saved, pray for him to get saved then. Some people believe that, is, that he is, have, have reasons for that. People who say they're close to him. But let's say you don't like him. That's fine. Pray for him to get saved then. But I think Pence is saved. I definitely think Pence is a Christian. And so do you think Camilla, uh, Kamala Harris is saved? <laughs> Dear God, no. It's like, it's like if, you, if you don't think Trump or, you know, if Trump is saved, what in the world do you think about Biden? Biden and Kamala Harris are not even close to saved. They're not even in the same ballpark. They're, they're lunatics. They are crazy when it comes to their worldview, and we need to be able to stand up against that. Ah, praise God. Welcome to church where your pastor gets free and says everything that he's been holding in throughout the week. Amen. I've been making time to say more things throughout the week, but, you know, this is an important time for us. So everybody be in prayer. Let's hope for the best. And do you have to be a Trump supporter to be here? No, we love people who are wrong, okay? We love people who are wrong. Even if you are wrong, you are welcome here. You could say, man, I can't vote for him. I got to vote independent. Okay, you can waste your vote if you want. You can vote for Jesus. You can vote for Billy Graham or whatever. You can vote for whoever you want. But I would say, think about this. Think about how that plays out. We need to stop wickedness sometimes. You know what I'm saying? There is, there is, a, moral, there is a moral theory called the lesser of two evils. And if, like, even if if in your mind you felt Trump was evil, you would have to have enough sense that there's a greater evil he's against right now. I mean, for those kind of people, I'm just speaking to those kind of people on the fence. Like, if, okay, if you're already like nitpicking everything, then what in the world? I mean, what plank have you found in the, the Biden movement, you know? So if you can't throw your vote towards Trump with the sense of I'm voting for a Christian to come lead a Bible study and be in charge of the marriage ministry, if you can't do that, we understand that. Then just plug your nose and vote against the greater evil, Right? Sometimes you just have to do that. You have to plug your nose and you have to go do some work in the, uh, the, the sewer or whatever. But, but I think he's better than most, but that's just my personal opinion. And if you don't agree with me, talk to my dad on Facebook. He'll argue with you all night long, okay, or some of our folks here in church. How many want to guard your heart? Amen. Because during these times, we have to guard our hearts. You're going to be in political debates. You're in religious debates. You're talking with people through, throughout the day that have all different kinds of opinions. You may have a different kind, a kind of opinion that's here. And I have to guard my heart. You have to guard your heart. We cannot allow uh, what we believe and what we know is right to make us wrong. So you can be right and be wrong at the same time. For example, I can be right about what I believe God is doing in this nation and what I believe he wants to have as a presidency. I can be right about that, but be handling it wrong, get bitter in my heart, hate all the other lukewarm Christians, that's what I would call them, etc., and get offended by the uh, Christian culture, the church of the world right now, so in the United States specifically. So I could be right. Let's say God says, yeah, Joe, this is what I want to have happen this election. You are right. I want you to tell people that's what I want to have happen, right? And I believe that, and I'm right. Everybody say he's right. But I could be wrong in my heart. How many have ever gotten to a, a fight with your spouse and you were right, but you were wrong here? The way you were handling it, the way you were dealing with it, the, the I told you so spirit came up, you know? And so what I believe God wants us to do is guard our hearts. Because if the devil can't get you from one way, he's going to try to get you another way. 
So take, for example, the same hell that sinners go to that we see as blatant sinners. The same hell that they go to is the same hell that the lukewarm church was going to go to. And it's the same hell that the bitter will go to, the ones who are unforgiving. Because Jesus said, if you do not forgive, then your sins will not be forgiven. How many remember that? On the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 and 7, throughout the Lord's Prayer even, he says, if you don't forgive others their their sins, your sins will not be forgiven. So tell me how sad of a day this would be. You go to heaven, and God says, you were right. I was Lord. Star next to your name. You were right. The Bible was true. These were my commandments. Star next to your name. You were right. These were the morals you were supposed to keep. You did your best to keep those morals. Star next to your name. But then he says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Well, what happened to all my stars next to my name? Well, you were bitter. You let your heart be defiled. You hated those I made in my image. You did not love your enemies. You didn't pray for those who despitefully use you. You allowed their hatred to corrupt your heart. And the Bible talks about this in the parable of the sower, if I can get into it today as an example of how we have to guard our heart. But I want to start in this text. It is so important that we guard our heart during this time because we can fall away from our personal relationship and covenant with God because we become so bitter, because we become so angry. And and the Bible is clear that the anger or the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. There are times to be righteous in our anger or to be anger, angry in righteousness. There are times for us to speak loud and to sound the trumpet and to warn the world and to give them forth, uh, you know, bring forth the judgments of God. Remember, we're not the judge, but we're telling them what the judge has said. Amen? I'm just telling you what Jesus said. Jesus said he has judged these things wrong. If you do these things, like it says in Galatians chapter 5, you shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus was very clear that if you don't cut off sin, your body and soul will go to hell. How many have heard those scriptures? Even if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, lest you go to hell with two eyes. That's Jesus talking, right? These things are true, but we have to guard our heart towards those who don't want that. In other words, we have to be able to have a Judas in our life and have Judas not come into our hearts. Jesus did not allow that which was in Judas to come inside of him. All of a sudden, you can be right and be wrong at the same time, and you're separated from the grace of God. You're separated from the love of God. This means that we as Christians have to be careful when we're in spiritual battles because I've seen it happen so often that the person who's standing up for righteousness, maybe even suffering for the good that they're standing up for, can bear now the sin of bitterness, and it can begin to affect them. And maybe you've met somebody like that. I know I have in ministry. These were good pastors. These were people who loved God. But because they were hurt by the sheep, because they were hurt by things that happened in the ministry, now they're bitter towards God. Now they're bitter towards the people who hurt them. And whenever they open up their mouth and they recall the story of when they were in the ministry or when they were a pastor, they talk about all the hurt that these people did and how angry they are and how these people deserve to go to hell. My friends, we have to be careful when we start talking like that. I would say nine times out of ten, 
When you are talking like that, something has already drastically gone wrong in your heart. As a matter of fact, let's just give ourselves the bitterness test right now that I learned from Carlos and Acondia and, and, and um, Cesar Castellanos and those involved in the Argentine revival. Uh, oh, Claudio Frazen, rather. Cesar Castellanos is in Colombia. Let's take the bitterness test. One time I was sitting in the service and I heard them do this and I failed the bitterness test. Here it is. Can you pray for the one that has hurt you the most? Lord, bless them more than you even bless me. Do good for them, God, more than you would even do good for me. This is not approving of their behavior. Some of them deserve to be in jail. I mean, I'll talk about how real some of us have been hurt. Some of you may have been abused. Some of you may have been lied and stealed upon, uh, uh, stolen from. And that's right. Those people deserve to be in jail, and they're serving a sentence, and some of them may even deserve the death penalty. But can you say, God, bless them. God, be merciful to them. God, be good to them, even greater than you've been good to me. Do for them even more than you've done for me by pouring out your love and your grace and your mercy. And I remember failing that test because at that time when I was sitting there at that service in Minneapolis, I was bitter towards the Bible college that I had went to. I was a graduate now. I was a new pastor. And I just began to realize like I was manipulated in a lot of those things that I had done there. And Brother Anthony, who just came to celebrate my graduation from, um, from seminary, uh, is not the one I am speaking about, by the way. So I want to be very clear. So some of you saw on Facebook, I had him as an old friend and a mentor come. He's like a spiritual father to me over 24 years. He's known me. I am not speaking about him, but I am speaking about others at the school. And I was bitter. And I just, I mean, if you brought it up to me, the school, Joe, how's it going with SUM? How's your relationship with so-and-so? It would instantly become venomous. It would instantly turn. My demeanor would turn. My words would change. My, my heart would change. And I began to realize that that was how I was always talking. And there that day when I was in that service, I had gotten to the point where I could not even pray for my enemies to be blessed. I couldn't pray for them. To be honest, I could not pray that prayer. I couldn't say, God, bless this individual more than you would bless me. Exalt their ministry, uh, you, know, you know, bless them and provide for them. I couldn't do that. I had become bitter. And then the pastor, he said, it was so simple. He said, it was like this. He said, some of you are pastors here, and you've been hurt like that, and now the devil has changed that hurt into a root of bitterness, like Hebrews says, that can defile many. And if you're not careful, you will not inherit the kingdom of God because the Bible calls that a sin, just like any other sin. And you are repeating this sin, and you are not repenting of this sin. Like I've said before, I don't believe we lose salvation like we lose a set of keys, but I believe that if we are in continual un unrepentant sin, as Hebrew says, your heart can become hard and then lead to unbelief. So it's unbelief that separates you from Christ. It's faith that brings you in. So the unbelieving heart came about because of the hardening of sin and that sin over time not being repented. And that word literally there in the Hebrew, I mean in the Greek, is the same kind of word we use for plaque in the medical world that hardens the heart and gets into those veins and allows, uh, you know, or, or doesn't allow blood to flow through and, and you get, uh, you know, cardiac arrest or you need these veins to be replaced. It's actually the medical word that we use. And so sin can harden the heart. And God was showing me sitting in that moment that my heart was hard. And this pastor said, some of you from this moment forward have been warned. 
And if you do not get your heart right, I am here to warn you, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You need to repent of this bitterness. And so here I was as a young pastor and instantly convicted, and I had a choice. Do I now push off the conviction of the Lord? Because, by the way, I believe that God convicts us with a still voice before he uses a loud shouting voice. Before the preacher or your accountability partner or your life group leader ever gets up in your life, I believe God has been trying to speak to you about that. And those loud voices in your life are usually the last voices. Let me just keep it real with you. And I understood at that moment that this was my point of decision. I could see now that God had been dealing with my heart, but I had been resisting him in my own self-righteousness. But yet I heard the Holy Spirit saying, come, come, I will set you free from this. You, your heart will be pure. You will be set free. And so I ran up, and it was to the point where it got the pastor's attention because I got there faster than anybody else. And I came to the altar, and then he just instantly called me up. And once again, that can be embarrassing. This was a large church. And so here I am being called up basically to repent of something that is close to taking my salvation. And he prayed for me in front of everyone, and I wept, and I fell out in the spirit, and I was woken up by, by the Lord with a new heart and a new joy. And I knew that at that moment that I was free, but I had to then guard my heart from those same old thoughts that would come back, just like the thoughts of perversion would come back even after I was a Christian and not looking at per, uh, porn or those things. You know, those thoughts of perversion would come back, and I would have to cast them down, renew my mind. I knew at that point that when that person, those thoughts came into my heart, I was going to have to renew my mind. I was going to have to stand my ground and, and stay in my victory because those subtle thoughts would be deceiving and would find root in me again. And I'm thankful that today, by God's grace, I can say this, just like I haven't looked at pornography since, you know, 96, I can say I have not allowed bitterness to take root of my heart since that time. Have I, have I sinned the sin of bitterness? Yes, but as I get convicted, I'm quick now to repent. And the Lord has showed me that that's how it's supposed to be. And even better than that, lead me not into temptation, don't even sin it. But if I do sin, the Lord says he's, you know, the Bible says he's quick there to convict us and we should repent. And I'm just so concerned right now that I see in, in our fight for righteousness, and our fight for justice, that some of us are becoming bitter towards other Christians. We're becoming angry towards our family members. And we're allowing the devil to take away that pure heart that Jesus gave us. Now, do they need to be rebuked? Absolutely, they need to be rebuked. The Bible says open rebuke is better than hidden love. Of course, they deserve to be rebuked or, you know, or to be corrected or those kinds of things. Of course, we need to be clear that, that the world, for the most part, around us is in wickedness. Absolutely. Please do not confuse me with saying that we need to tolerate these things. But what I'm saying is we need to guard our hearts. Because if we do not guard our hearts, we will become wicked, full of dead men's bones on the inside, while we're spewing all the right things on the outside. And the Bible says, even if you give your body to be burned but have not love, it profits you nothing. So that means we could be martyrs for the cause. There, there was people who died in the Civil War. I'm sure there probably was. Died in the Civil War on the side of the north, dying to set slaves free but went to hell. Because their hearts weren't right with God. Are you listening? 
You can die a martyr's death fighting in the civil war for a just and righteous cause, but if you hate your enemy to the point where you cannot pray for the South to be saved and for these these slave owners to come to know Christ and for them to be blessed and, and, and provided for by God, if we can't pray that for our enemy and all we see them is as a pile of flesh that we want to put a cannonball through, then you may die in that war and go to hell while you're fighting the right thing. Do you understand? God is teaching us that we have to guard our heart. I, I want people, when they see us and they see us as a church, I want them to see us as lions, as those who are bold and are strong. But we are also meek and we are humble and we are loving and we welcome them to join with us and we have been praying for them. We have not been praying for them to succeed in their sin We're not praying for them to succeed in their wickedness. We're not asking God to bless their defiling behavior. But what we're asking God is for God to bless Oprah more than he's ever blessed me. Why? Because I want to see Oprah get saved. I want to see her repent. I want to see Ellen DeGenerate, I mean DeGeneres, get saved. I want to see her repent. Are you listening? I just don't want to rebuke her. I want to welcome her to this church. I want to baptize her in two weeks. Do you guys see that? that, That's what we have to believe God for. Because the greatest enemy you and I will ever face during this time is going to be our own heart, our own thoughts. You and I have to make a decision to stay pure in our hearts. This is the Proverbs. These are from Solomon who watched his own father be defiled, and sadly he didn't watch himself. He was defiled and possibly was even lost. We may not see Solomon in the kingdom of heaven, but at least David, through his defilement, he came back to the Lord. Psalm 51, you can read about his repentance. And so I believe that Solomon here is saying back to us what he learned from his father David. Proverbs 4, verse 20. Somebody say, guards your heart. Thank you. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Guard, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everybody say, guard your heart. Amen. Keep your mouth free of perversity. Keep corrupt talk Far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Give careful thought to the paths for your feet and be steadfast in all your ways. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Keep your foot from evil. Come on, how many can say amen to that? Amen. Would you go down, brother? Let's just have this up here. It's not going to be to get clicked on, but just scroll all the way up. Here's a chart to help you learn this passage. There are four things that we do before we get the command to guard our heart, and then there's four things that we do after that. So it's like sandwiched in right there. Guard your heart. Everybody say, guard your heart. So what are the first four things that we have to do to guard our hearts is pay attention to God's word. We do not neglect God's word. I appreciate all that's being done right now by Crowder and, uh, you know, political people that are helping us get things straight. Like Stephen Crowder, I think he's a little funny, kind of closer to my age. Or, uh, you know, the Jewish man. Uh, what's the Jewish? Ben Shapiro, thank you. Or Glenn Beck, the Mormon. You know, all these different voices coming forth. I'm glad that there's all these. And then the Catholics, you know, and then th- there's these political people saying all these things. But you know what? We need to keep the word of God closer to our heart than we are listening to them. 
We can, let's, let's be honest right now, we can be listening more to Glenn Beck, more to these things than we're listening to God's Word. And we have to guard our heart. You can be listening more to the music and to the Netflix and to all of these things than God's Word. And what we have to do is prioritize God's Word. I want to stay informed. I want to make sure I know what's going on. I like good music. I like, you know, watching movies, watching series, and doing different things with my family like that. But I have to make sure I'm paying attention to God's Word. And it doesn't matter what source it comes from. If it's not God's Word, I need to guard my heart from whatever I'm receiving. If I'm listening to something and I go, man, that doesn't sound like God's Word, I need to reject that. Even if it's coming from a source that I appreciate or I feel that's reliable, I need to make sure that I filter everything through God's word. Filter what the president says. Filter what the people I'm following on social media are saying. Filter the movies that I'm watching, the TV shows. I have to pay attention to God's word. How many want to pay attention to his word? You just pay attention to it. You're making sure you're getting involved into the things of God, going to life group, going to church, being taught it, asking good questions. If you're not asking good questions while you're reading the scriptures and you're not taking it serious, the scriptures should provoke in you good questions. How do I live this out? How do I teach this to my family? How do I share this with others? How is this applied in my daily life? If you think the Bible is of no earthly good, you do not understand the scriptures. The scriptures will change this earth. The scriptures have the power of God to renew minds and to break the power of Satan and sin over people's lives. And we have to put priority to God's word. We should not be ashamed of it. Number two, we got to turn our ear to it. We have to listen to it. Some of you just read it. I would encourage you to read it and listen to it, not only in the form of sermons, but also audio Bible. It comes in different ways. You can get it even with hip-hop music in the background, like I've told you guys before, Streetlights app. You can download it. You can, you can listen to it in Old English. You can watch the Gospels, most of them, word for word in movie form, like the Gospel of John is in a movie, word for word. You can watch it. You need to have it in your ears and in your eyes as well. Read it with your eyes. Listen to it with your ears. Pay attention to it. And then lastly, keep it. Keep it. Everybody say keep it. Keep it within your heart. That means you should memorize it. All of us should always be learning and memorizing the Word of God. Even if that is not a natural skill to us, we should always be practicing memorizing the Scriptures practicing it. Not only is it good for your brain, it's a healthy exercise for your natural brain, but spiritually it puts it in your soul in a place that you can reuse it again and again and again. You should be able to come up with scriptures to what you're seeing on the news. Come up with scriptures to what you're seeing with your friends and family so that the scriptures are dictating the world around you or the, or the way you see the world around you that you're not going to be easily deceived. Because here's the thing, deception is always deceiving to those being deceived. To those who have not been paying attention to God's word, to those who have not been hearing it, to those who have not been looking at it, to those who have not been memorizing it and hiding it in their heart, deception comes so easily, doesn't it? You've talked to people like that. They have a little here, a little there of the scriptures. They don't understand it in its context. They don't know how to hear it correctly. They only hear it from certain kinds of preachers or certain kinds of sources. 
and then they become susceptible to judgment. The very same ones, let's just be honest, the very same Christians who spout that nonsense, only God can judge me, only God can judge me, are literally being the useful idiots right now of the Democratic BLM and all of that. Are they not? Those same ones, those same, they're the exact same ones. It, it is almost ridiculously funny how real that is. I'm being serious. One of my friends said in the church that he was pastoring, he pastors in New Orleans. This is actually more than just a friend's brother, Anthony's church, who I was mentioning before. His son is now pastoring the church, and he was saying that he saw people lighting up on his Facebook all about BLM, all about this, all about that. People who had been in his church, which is predominantly black in the inner city, and had left because they did not want their children, their white children, to be raised around the inner city and kids of a different race. And now they're the ones spouting all of this. And then the same ones who were spouting all of that were saying, your messages come across a little judgy judgy they're the same ones are they not because you get swept you get swept up into deception the very I'm telling you the very same ones that were telling me to cool it down stop preaching the way I was preaching are now woke <laughs> are you listening and that is a joke isn't it because you just got bamboozled you were thinking that this is the way God was you were thinking God isn't a God of judgment, that God isn't a God of wrath, that God doesn't have plans to save us from abortion and murder, that these things were not important. So the moment some bigger underlying deception came around, now here you're swept up in it. The same thing with the mask. The same, everybody listen to me, the same cowardly pastors and friends that I have that don't like the street witness, that don't like to tell their people anything that their itching ears don't want to hear are the same one masked up like wannabe Batmans right now. Are you listening? They're the same exact one because they were cowardly before that ever happened and now they're just, they're just being given an opportunity to live out their cowardness. They never wanted to stand up for righteousness. They never wanted to stand up and be, be thought of as different in their culture. They like getting the key of the city. They like when the mayor brings them over for crumpets and tea, whatever they do with the mayor. You know, they like that because now it's obvious that to stay playing the mayor's game, to dance the mayor's dance, they have to do all these things. It's obvious now they're the first ones in line. As a matter of fact, I think some of my friends, God have mercy, would be there while, be, while John the Baptist is getting beheaded and look at the other people in the room going, well, he deserved it. I'm telling you, I think some of my friends are just like that right now. They would look at John the Baptist and be like, you know, to their friends as he's going to be beheaded and be like, he was a troublemaker anyway. I'm so glad I'm so much more sophisticated than John the Baptist. Look at the honorable position God has blessed me with to be here sitting next to King Herod. I'm in a place of uh, authority and favor. God is with me. Look at all the wealth that I have. And here John the Baptist in his ghetto clothes getting beheaded over here. This nincompoop, what is wrong with him? Pass me, pass me now the next thing we're going to eat. I'm telling you, that's how this world is now setting up the church. To be, to be in union with the world, you have to give up God's word. And they were doing this a long time ago. Am I not telling the truth? They were going on their talk shows, never talking about the gospel, but just five ways to success. They were going on their media outlets saying, well, the Bible really doesn't say that about homosexuality, so forth and so on. See, what were they doing? They were not paying attention to God's word. Now they're the devil's useful idiot. And they think to themselves, it's good to be where I'm at. 
It's good. The Bible says in the time of Jeremiah, when the prophets were going out to preach the word, that they literally called those prophets the doomsayer prophets, and that these prophets were deserving of everything they were saying. Jeremiah said, we're going to get taken over. All of this bad stuff's going to happen happen to us if we don't repent. They were so hateful in their heart towards them. They said, Jeremiah, we hope that everything you've prophesied against us comes upon you. We're going to throw him in a pit now. That's how angry they get towards us. We're preaching about God's judgment, and they're going, well, I wish you, you fail. I wish all of you guys fail. Your churches fail. I hope all of you guys get sick. I hope all your businesses shut down. I hope your children get sick and die. I hope you guys pay the price for this nonsense you've been doing in our nation. I literally hear this from Christians. Your son, Juan Riasco, on Instagram had 30,000 followers. Now it's down to about 11, but praise God, there's about 11 that are following, 11,000, rather. And uh, he said some of these people he had to block were Christians that were coming onto his page just trying to shame him and embarrass him. Why? Because they don't have God's word. Their pastor doesn't have God's word. I'm trying to make this applicable, but you can see all the areas this can come into your life, right? Everybody say, pay attention. Turn your ear. Never let, about, let it, never let it out of your sight. Keep it in your heart. Amen. Guard your heart. Here are the four things we do continuing that. Number, number five, you keep your mouth free of perversity. I don't care how mad they make us. We do not have perverse speech like them. We do not need to use their words and their decorum to make our points. Do you guys understand? Go back and watch the Martin Luther King Jr. young men that followed him, that stood up there to those police officers during the time of Selma while them white southern boys were talking like this. Listen to those African-American men as they just destroyed their arguments. They didn't have to scream and yell. They didn't have to curse them out. They used the logic of the Word of God. They used the truth of God's Scripture and demolished every high and pretentious thing that came up against it. You and I need to learn how to be as wise as serpents and as harmless as doves, that we can stare our boss in the face with the words of God like Daniel and his friends could and demolish their arguments and show them that we don't have to be perverse like you. We don't have to curse like you. We don't have to drop the F-bombs. We don't have to, to call you names. We don't have to show that is our method. That is not our method. The method is the word of God. And we show them with our words that we can destroy their arguments. I remember one time I was on WTTW being interviewed by the the guy. He's he's somewhat skinny, like a defined jawline, maybe Latino. I forget his name, but I remember him always being on WTTW. If you look up WTTW host, I guarantee you that guy's coming up. And I felt like it was such a strange thing. I felt like I was living in an alternative world that now I'm here in front of this gentleman being interviewed about us simply wanting to have church. And what made it even more strange is I was debating another pastor about it on his show. So this was, this was what it had come down to. They had found a useful idiot to come and debate with me to try to make me look stupid while they look smart. Halfway through the discussion, he looked at me and he said, Ah, so what I'm getting from you is it's not just biblical reasons, it's also scientific reasons that you are opening up. And I said, yeah, you got it. I said, because we're not just walking around doing blind faith. 
I'm telling you what science says. I'm telling you what the Bible says. And the facts are on our side. This is what we need to do. This is, this is the points I went through before. This is the best thing for our country. This is the best thing for our freedom of religion. And then the other guy started backpedaling. And he was like, well, well, I got facts too. I got facts too. And he tried to catch up to the conversation. But I believed at that moment God had given me wisdom to silence. Everybody listen to me. Silence the accusations that Christians are just backwoods, oompa loompas that don't know anything. That we are scientists, that we are doctors, that we are uh, the people in society that also have education and we can do everything else they do. That we're, that we're not just the people who say, well, I believe the Bible, which is great, start there, but we can also show how everything confirms the Bible. Whatever is true comes from the God of truth. So don't, don't use perversity. Don't use perversity. Use the word of God. Amen? No, number uh, six here, keep your eyes straight ahead. We have got to stay focused. We have got to stay focused. The goal is the kingdom of God coming on earth as it is in heaven. Right now, that's for Trump. Two, two, uh, four years from now, or two years from now, it may not be him. You better stay focused on the prize and not any person, not even me. Because this is not about me, it's not about a person, it's not even about a party, it's not about an organization, it doesn't matter. All labels, all people, all parties can turn against you in the ultimate goal of the kingdom of God coming. What if I get deceived and I come before you and I say, well, now I'm woke and we're going to do this, this, and this, and we should vote pro, uh, pro-choice because it's the woman's choice. You know, are you going to now say, well, I'm pro-choice too? Because my, my stupid pastor, he is now pro-choice. No. No, are you going to do that? No. And then, and then if Trump halfway through his presidency says, well, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and declare myself the Messiah, I guess some people think he might do it, bring the abomination of desolation. Or, you know, if they, if they build a trumpet there, he becomes the Antichrist. Are you going to go, well, it's Trump. It's good for me. And are you going to follow the Antichrist? I'm not saying he is the Antichrist, but let's just say he turns out to be the Antichrist. Are you following him? No, I'm not following anybody beyond this. The kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's what we're following. So just right now, who are your friends? They should be the ones following the kingdom of God. Some of my friends wanted to chase their tails and be scared. I'm not following you. I'm following the kingdom of God. When you're done being online, come back to joining us on the front line. Right now, Trump is to the cause of the kingdom of God. I can see him being useful there. So that's where I'm going to vote when I only have these two real choices. Are you listening to me? I'm following the kingdom of God and what suits the kingdom of God at this time. The mayor does not suit the kingdom of God. Our governor does not suit the kingdom of God. So get them out in Jesus' name. Let's get somebody else to replace them. And half, of these, and half of these Oompa Loompa, if not more, aldermans, get them out because they should have already petitioned to get her out by majority of vote. Okay, so my thing is kingdom of God, kingdom of God, kingdom of, that's what I'm about. That's what I'm pushing. I, that's my long-term goal. How many know that these people who want the destruction of America, Christian values, have long-term goals? You, you talk to the Antifa people right now, they go, yeah, I think Biden's an idiot too, but he gets me closer to my long-term goals. You know when you listen to somebody like, you know, um, Charlemagne, the false god, and he's literally saying, I endorse Biden. After Biden said, if you don't vote for me, you're not black, how many know he's at a long-term goal right now? 
He's looking right through Biden going, man, you are an idiot. But you are the only idiot I can vote for right now so that I can get to the next person. And maybe when they get you in, everybody's going to tell the truth about how crazy you are so then Kamala Harris can come in and start taking over stuff. So they're thinking through long term. That's why we have to vote. That's why we have to go out and preach the gospel. That's why we have to save money. That's why those of us who are called to entrepreneurship, we need to become entrepreneurs. Amen? We just can't think to ourselves, well, the rapture's coming. I'm going to get raptured before the election or this, this, and that. What if we're here for another 20 years? Do you want to be brought into slavery like they did in Babylon with the Jewish people? We have to think long term. Keep your eyes fixed on what's straight ahead. This is the long term goal for this church in Jesus' name. Do you see that. I want your eyes to be fixed straight ahead. We're going to make disciples. We're going to plant churches. We're going to travel throughout the nations. And we're going to use our jobs and our influences and our talents to do it. uh, Second to last right here. Number seven, give careful thought to your ways. All of us should give careful thought to our ways. I thank God that we're in a storefront right now. You know why? Because we could have went to a bigger building right before the pandemic and a 20000 mortgage could have brought us down. Are you listening? I'm thankful to God we're only paying 2500 to be a storefront church. Because I'll tell you what, we're still paying the bills. We're still saving up the money. We're ready for years of famine in this place. Amen? Y'all, church has got empty buildings right now. You're quarantined 10 rows apart, still can't fill it up. All your people scared, but you still got to pay that mortgage. We good right here, amen? And if they put us out of here, we already got a truck. We'll meet you outside. I thank God that that's wisdom. That's wisdom that protects us. You have to consider your ways. When is the right time to buy this? When is the right time to switch jobs? When is the right time to move? When is the right time to get married? When is the right time to do these things with my family, private school or homeschool? Same thing. All these people paying for private school and then they put you to homeschool and you are still paying the bill. <laughs> I'm not making fun of it, but wasn't that just bad, wasn't it? That's, that's not cool. I'm paying 5000 to be a part of this private Catholic school and now they're sending me home to do what my next door neighbor Joe's been doing all the same time. But I do want them to open back up. You get my point because I want them to have school and do all of that. But my thing is, man, we cannot allow this culture to take away what God has called us to do. We're going to be careful. And if that means, man, we, we have to all homeschool so that we don't get bamboozled by paying for stuff that's not there for us, then we're going to all homeschool. See, everybody used to make fun of us homeschooling. Now everybody's homeschooling, right? See, I'm telling you guys, give thought to your ways. And the last point here, keep your feet from evil. Vinny, would you come, please? How many are going to guard your heart? Amen. Keep, the Bible says, your feet from evil. This is what God taught me early on, is that I can never sin if I'm not in a place of sin. Can I steal from you? Can I steal from you without first being in a place to steal from you? No. Like even now with technology, can I steal your data without being at a computer or a device? No. Can I look at pornography if I'm not at a device? No. Can I, uh, all these other, can I kill you if I don't have a gun or something like that? If I don't have a weapon to kill you with? God taught me early on that the volition of the will, that first choice that we make with our feet, our eyes, our, our hands, whatever, whatever we have control over, that decision gives God, everybody watch this, gives God 
the opportunity to deliver us from all evil. But if we do not do what God first asked us to do, God will not violate his word and then yank you out of a situation you're willing, you're willing to be in. Does everybody get that? If you're about ready to look at pornography, God's not going to shut off the computer. God is not going to make the electricity go out. But here's the deal. If you're tempted with pornography and you say, God, I'm not going to look at my phone. I'm not going to my computer. I'm going to stay away from it. You know what the Bible says? He will set you free from that desire at that moment. How many know what I'm talking about? God is then faithful at that moment. But you didn't get to experience, or I should say people don't get to experience that moment unless they first come into obedience. So they're waiting, get this, they're waiting for the temptation to leave first before they're obedient, and that's why they never stop because they always feel tempted, and then they say, well, I prayed, and prayer must not work. But no, you are supposed to do what the Bible says, keep your feet, keep your eyes, keep your hands from the evil, and then God keeps his word. So it was a real simple thing with me when I was smoking. When I first got saved, I started uh, trying to quit, and I just couldn't. So for the first few months, if you had been sitting next to me in church, I smelled like smoke. And like some people say, it may not send you to hell just for smoking, but it'll smell, you'll make you smell like you've been there, okay? And so I would be, a, I would be one of those people that smelled like smoke in church. That was me. That was before you could, used to be able to have vapor smoke make you smell like cotton candy, okay? It smells like cotton candy here. You spray that on you? No, I vape, dude. I vape. Okay, you vaping cotton candy. You had to explain it to me. No, we're still getting the nicotine, but there's an aroma here of cotton candy that comes off. Anyways, it's still an addiction. Are you listening? And I was addicted, and I kept smoking a few months into Christianity. And the Lord just taught me this from the book of Proverbs. And this is the way he said it. He said, Joe, if you don't touch it, Joe, if you don't put your hand on it, you make the decision, you will not touch it. I'll set you free from every time you have a desire to do it. And at first, yeah, when I wasn't touching it, the desire was loud. It felt stronger than me. But I said, Lord, you promise that if I don't touch it, if I don't put my foot to the evil part here, if I don't do this, God, if I do this, you will protect me if I stay away from it. And then never smoked again. Never cursed again. Never did some of these, never fought again. Got close in a few other times, but never fought again. Why? Because God kept his word to keep my, keep my heart from evil when I kept my feet from evil. Let's go over it again in closing. Guard your heart. Pay attention to God's word. Turn your ear to it. Never let it out of your sight. Keep it within your heart. Those are all the things you're, you're going to do as the positive. Here are the things you're going to do as avoiding the negative. You're going to keep perversity out of your mouth. You're not going to be distracted. You're going to look straight ahead. Keep the goal of the kingdom in front of you. You're not just going to do whatever you want to do. You're going to stay to the path of God. Walk on his path and do his ways. And you're going to keep your feet from evil. I believe we will then be righteous in a wicked generation. That we will see God's kingdom come and will be done. And he'll say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen. We'll finish the race. Let's stand up and give it up for Jesus. Come on, let's guard our heart during this time. And let's pray right now for these businesses. Father, I pray for the businesses that are suffering during this time. We pray for you to have mercy on this land and to help those who are unemployed to find jobs. 
Altar workers, would you come please with the band? If you came here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not able to guard your heart yet because you don't have strength against it. But the Bible says once you're born again, made a new creation, the Holy Spirit will come live inside of you and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. In other words, if you get saved, God will save you from the things that come against your heart. If that's you right now, you can just start to pray a simple prayer, confessing Jesus as the Lord of your heart, the Lord of your life, that you believe he died on the cross, was buried, rose again. And then confess those sins and say, Jesus, I don't ever want to be the same again. You can feel free to come forward now or in just a moment when we get ready to dismiss. But make sure everyone knows the Lord and those who have been serving God. Would you look at your heart and ask the Lord, is there any bitterness in there? Whether it's towards the political climate, the spiritual climate, whether it's towards friends and family who don't understand you, or co-workers, Come on, let's search our hearts so that we don't get deceived by bitterness in this time. Forgive them. Pray for them. Don't let the devil steal the plan of God because of what you have done by bitterness, anger, or even perversion, or all those other things we talked about today. For the rest of us, before we close out, would you just surrender right now? Lift up your hands and say, I surrender my heart, Jesus. It's yours. Now put a hedge of protection around it, oh God. Protect me. Protect me from myself. Protect me from the temptation of the enemy. Lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil, oh God. Let your rod and staff comfort me, oh Lord. May my heart be a well-watered garden. May my heart be a well-watered garden. Think about that illustration today. May our hearts be like gardens, fruitful, plentiful, healthy, vibrant, pure in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, Lord, let no man bring us so low as to hate them. Let us pray for our enemies. Let us pray that Biden will repent that the, the Black Lives Matter movement and Tifa will repent, that the God-haters will repent, Muslims will repent, the LGBT community will repent in the name of Jesus. Corruption in our leaders and our businesses will repent in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lukewarm Christians, repent. We pray for them, right? Come on, pray for them. We pray, God, that they will be blessed by keeping your word. They will be blessed, God, by entering into your kingdom, by being your faithful disciples, O Lord, and that they'll join with us together as a mighty army to see the greatest outpouring come to this, to this land before you take us home and bring forth your judgment. A few moments, would you pray for revival? How many believe that before we're raptured, the church is victorious? How many believe that there's an outpouring that will come before the rapture? That before God brings tribulation to the earth, we're going to go to the nations, preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. We're going to see the churches established and unified. We're going to see the doctrine of the apostles brought forth. Jesus, do it in Chicago. Do it in Dallas, oh God. Do it in Denver, Jesus. Do it all throughout our major cities. Do through it out, God. Every place, God. Oh, Lord, that's calling out for you today. Do it in the nations, oh Lord.
in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus can we sing that old school song created me a clean heart as we get ready to dismiss we're just going to close out with a, a, a final prayer and then we'll worship to this song uh, if you have to go, you can go after my prayer, but I do want to ask if you can to stay and pray, uh, worship with us even after my prayer because this is an oldie but goodie. Created me a clean heart, oh God. It comes right out of Psalm 51. May that be our prayer this week. Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Seasons change, but you don't. Politicians come and go, but you always remain with us. Help us to trust in you and to guard our heart during this time. And we pray, God, for great things to come to this nation, for your revival to come forth. Use the politicians, use the governors, use the leaders, use the church and businesses to stand for righteousness. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Can you bless the Lord one more time? If you